0: Because I have a really, oh, I don't know how to put it, I don't want to hurt anybody, okay? I don't want to hurt anybody. It's not, God doesn't want to hurt you, amen? amen. Sometimes you've got to hurt a little bit just to get a little bit of healing into your life, a little bit of understanding into your life. I want to thank you as a church, you know. We, we, we began this year, New year, Christmas Eve, was it, with the theme of opportunity and expansion. And you guys have been fantastic with embracing that faith. Just fantastic. On the Friday night and different events and stuff, the various leaders have just been bringing out gems. I'm shocked. I mean, it was Pastor Emma who was leading that, that night that that revelation just dropped into the group. And I just thought, this is God's word for us. And at that moment, I didn't understand it. But heavens above, it's like we've opened up a Pandora's box of blessing for you guys for you, for your future. I'm going to give you opportunities. That's what God's going to do. I'm going to give you opportunities. Prepare yourself for them. Get ready. Preparation, massively important. Preparation. Right? And we're going to expand as a church. Not all about us, right? The church is the only organization on earth that does not exist for itself. It's not about us coming here and having a great time. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. (laughs) It's about reaching a great city out there. So Friday night, we were talking about how do we expand then? How do we respond to these opportunities? Well, you're going to have to respond to the opportunities. And you're going to have to get a grip on protocols. And that's what we spent Friday night talking about. If you don't understand protocol, you'll never, never survive in ministry, I tell you. Or you'll be very awkward. Awkward with everybody around you. It's not just the world that has protocols and families and relationships and cultures. It's the church. And the kingdom of God, she's got a qualification. My wife here has a formal qualification. She used to teach in protocol. I I said to her when this word came out, I said to her, okay, this is your qualification. What does protocol mean to you? And her answer was great, Michael. It answers your question on Friday. She said, protocol is the thing you do before you do that (laughs) You should do this before that. That's what protocol is. But when we do that before what we know we should do here, that's a breach of protocol. Really simple explanation. So please do this. Do this. Love and serve your God. Be faithful in your church. Keep praying. Keep studying. Do this. Do this before you do that. Be submissive. Be humble and follow your God before you do that. This is our fourth week. The first week was golden opportunities. Second week was silver opportunities. And did we have response from the nations on that message actually, from all over the world. I got messages from the four corners of the earth on that silver opportunities thing. You know, Muslims, Muslims everywhere. Thank you. Thank you, Muslims. Christian, (laughs) Muslims responding. Realizing there are little silver things passing through their lives every day. And today's about silver linings. Okay, everybody get ready. You ready? Breathe in. (laughs) I will not leave this building until he finishes. You have to let me finish today because this might be painful. What's the hardest thing you've ever had to endure? What's the roughest thing you've ever had? The hardest moment. You look back and you think, God why did that have to happen why did you know why god why why huh why me i don't want to go over and over my testimony my first wife died a horrible death that's the truth eight years suffering and pain now i studied theology all my life i'm a theology geek so i've got a massive foundation a massive foundation i really have and i've been baptized in the holy spirit umpteen times And even with a very good grip on theology, and even with the presence of the Holy Spirit, I struggled with all my might. Do you understand? As her skin began to fall off her body and her teeth fell out and her hair fell out and she shriveled before my eyes. I struggled with your point this morning, Michael. And I knew the Glasgow church intimately like my brothers and sisters and they didn't push me but i remember the day that i did what you said and i walked before the church took me about two and a half years three years and i walked before the church and i said i thank god for everything i thank god for everything everything that's right he's a sovereign god huh?" He doesn't owe me any explanation. I thank God for everything. So with my theology, with baptism in the Holy Spirit, I struggled. God help normal people in churches who have never been filled with the Spirit, who don't know Scripture well. God help them. Do you get my point? How are they supposed to survive? The no wonder so many people backslide and fall away when the storms come. And that's what really today is about, the traumas of life. We began on Christmas Eve, I believe it was, and I read you this scripture. There is a time and an opportunity for every business under the sun and affliction. And affliction. There will be a time that we will be afflicted. That's what scripture says. We we love the first bit. (laughs) God's going to give me opportunities. And I say, you need to prepare for the opportunities. Amen? Are you with me? But you also need to prepare for affliction. You also need to prepare. That's what Solomon's saying. Get yourself ready, guys. So when the storm comes, you don't get shipwrecked. Right? Get realistic. I love the realism in Solomon. In 1950... There was a guy walking down a street in Tyrone, in Northern Ireland. And there was another woman on the other side of the street. They didn't know each other. They were just walking in to the local village. And this guy, cycling down the street, fell off his bike. And the man, his name was Patrick McKeever, he ran over to help the guy. And there was a woman over there. Her name was Catherine Moss and she ran over and they both helped him up you know i "Oh, thank you very much and off he cycled and they looked at each other and my father thought she's nice (laughs) are you walking towards the village and they walked towards the village together and they walked together in marriage for 58 years yeah and they had nine children and i'm the youngest and my father treated me differently he used to take me separately not spoiled. I don't mean that. he had watched the eight children grow up. Yeah. I'm not making a mistake with this one. Come with me, boy. It's not about money. It's not about education. It's about God. Do you hear me? G-O-D. God. You are going to get God. I blew it. I blew it. I blew it. I'm not blowing it with you. You're going to get God. Oh, yes, you are. He was completely and utterly determined with me. And on some of our walks, On Sunday afternoon many times he said to me do you know what son if the man hadn't fallen off his bike I never would have met your mother (laughs) and you wouldn't be here (laughs) and it used to just go round in his head right scripture says all things work together for good for those who are called according to the purpose of God even a little bicycle accident Mm -hmm. now you would struggle in your mind to, to Bring anything good out of that situation, anything good. But my father treasured that little intervention by God all his life, and he was looking back with, you know love for God and joy for God. You knock that guy. You know what I mean, please. Um, but God construed a circumstance whereby people would not pass each other by, because I've got good ahead of you, and everybody in this circumstance can be blessed. All things work together for good. What does that mean? So I'm going to state a few points, a few propositions, and you're going to answer no. Are you ready? Yeah. Does all things mean some things? No. I'll say it again. Does all things mean some things? No. Does all things mean most things? No. Does all things mean everything except that one thing? No. Absolutely not. What does all things mean? It means all things. Nice and simple. Nice and simple. And that understanding, that understanding was, was the understanding that dragged me from my seat in agony and pain. and Because I'm not going to say it unless I believe it. I mean it. And caused me to stand and say, I thank God. And I mean it. Hallelujah. It's a great place of deliverance. a great place of freedom. All things from the tiniest little... Bicycle accident all things from when you miss the train and by the way some people miss the train. They think God has rejected them, you know The tiniest little things Will work in our favor to the biggest Catastrophes in life all things absolutely everything We've got a member in the Glasgow church. Her name is Sheila Jassy Great great lady Indian lady and we had many crises in Glasgow. We had murders within the church deaths multiple deaths within the church all sorts of stuff and I didn't know Sheila when I joined but when there was a crisis that woman that was her moment I tell you that was her moment after a couple of years experiencing her ministry in times of crisis as soon as someone's there get Sheila do you know why Sheila just gave off like a perfume like an aura when she walked in the room God's in control this will all be okay. didn't have to say anything. It was her belief. God is, and it's like osmosis. You could just, you could just pick it up from her. And she was very patient with people. I, I really liked that ministry in times of trouble. That lady has a firm grip on the belief that all things are going to work together for me and for you even in this moment of crisis. And that's my first point. All things means all things. My second point, however, if it is going to work out for you, and God's going to make a a job out of this, his workmanship, you've got to let him. You've got to stay on the bus. You've got to remain faithful to it. You've got to remain in the vine. Remember the difference in Job and his wife. Big difference. When the trouble came, Job held his ground, I will stay on the bus, I will remain in my relationship, even when, you know, everything was falling apart. But at a certain moment, listen everybody, see the difference in people? At a certain moment, his wife said, I've had it with this. I've had it with this. Nothing good can possibly, it's not all things, it's everything except this, Joe. So why don't you curse God and die? I don't believe anymore. I don't believe, I'm, I'm done with this. Too much pain, too much suffering. But Job remained, he stayed. You know, if you, if you leave because of pain or leave because of crisis, you're going to be running forever in the dark, man. It's like leaving the movie before the end of the movie and then saying that was a rubbish movie. No, you left. (laughs) You didn't get the punchline. You didn't hang around or reading a book and not finishing the book and saying that's a rubbish book. And many Christians do that. Crisis hits and they're gone. Well, you shouldn't be gone. You need to hang around in there and let the master do what he's good at. Let him bring something good out of your life. And I'm talking particularly today about the tragedies. And we all have them in various forms. All things means all things, but I gotta be patient and stay in the vine so that he can do what he does best. That's my part, it's to stand in faith and wait for his hand to move. Thirdly, I would say really importantly, do not judge a bad situation, either in yourself or in anybody else. Be very careful of being quick to judge bad situations. Forgive me if you've heard this example before, but it's a really good example. My stepdaughter, Jeanette's youngest daughter, I was up with her in Bristol. I was sitting with her. She's a prophet. She works full-time at a church in America. She's a strong prophet. And we were sitting there just having a cup of tea, you know. She turned to me <laughs> like abrupt, and she said, give me a word from the Lord. Give me a word from the Lord, now! Come on, do it! And uh, you know, I, my heart just went out to her at that moment. And she had just spent the last hour telling me about her husband. Got a job in Colorado. It's a new business. It's all exciting. She's moving the following week, flying back and moving. She was all excited about it. Long story of excitement and testimony. And then at the end of it, she said, Give me a word from the Lord! I just closed my eyes. And I got an immediate word tell her that her husband hasn't got the job. (laughs) I've got some news for you. So I just spoke out, just spoke out straight out of my my spirit. I said, Ruth, you asked for a word. I've just heard from God. Your husband didn't get the job. He hasn't got it. And she was gobsmacked. I could see her thinking, we've sold our house. He's already got the job. We're moving next week. What do you mean he hasn't got the job? He's got the job. The prophecy's wrong. This can't be right. Off you go. A few weeks later, I'm talking to her on Skype. And she said, So we moved. We moved to Colorado. Chris goes into the office on the first day. Surprise, surprise. Betrayal. It was all a setup. They had taken his part of the business deal and they had backstabbed him and chucked him out. And she said to me, you know, our lives would have fallen apart if it hadn't been that you had given us that word. And we knew that God was with us, even in this bad situation, even in this bad situation. Now, God is good in that situation. He gave them a prophetic word. You might not have a prophetic word, in a bad situation so be very slow to judge bad situation I had one worship leader Furlan in our church a lady absolutely fantastic and she's tremendously consistent you know it's wonderful hang around long enough people have good days and bad days you know yeah she fell apart man she fell apart spiritually emotionally, mentally, and she still sat here, you know, she still sat here on Sundays. I remember one Sunday, her sitting there, she's not in ministry anymore, who had to remove her because she wasn't in a good state of mind at all, but she was, didn't look good, Uh, she was just, she'd lost it, man, lost everything, and I remember standing up to preach, and it's a good-sized church, as I looked around the room, I could feel the judgment on her, Ah, I could feel that sometimes people are a bit funny, you know. Yeah. I could feel the congregation looking at her, and the, ha, you, ha, ha you used to be our worship you. you. What happened you? Bad, you know? I could sense it in the room. I didn't like it. It made me angry actually. And I remember my words to that congregation. <coughs> a little word of caution about those who are having a bad day. A little word of caution, my friends. You see the person who was beaten down today? Tomorrow, they may well fly over your head. So just be a little bit slow with your judgment there. A little bit slow. She's a radio Christian radio producer today. She's got her own program. Yeah, times change, huh? Happily married. Really worked out well. God is good. You see, Ronald Reagan, this is... Is truth stranger than fiction or what? Listen to this story. This is insane. Ronald Reagan was an actor before he became the president of the United States, you know? And one of the first movies he made was called Code of the Secret Service. And it was an embarrassment to him. He hated that movie because his acting was bad. He was inexperienced. And it was a rubbish movie. So when they they were interviewing him and, and stuff, he used to say, well, one bad decision I made. One bad situation in my life. I don't ever want to see that movie because it's rubbish. I'm sorry I made it. And this was his testimony, testimony, testimony. Well, it was a young, but it's a true story, a famous story. This a young boy called Jeff, Jerry Parr. And he was nine years old. And he loved the movie. He used to watch it again and again and again. And as a little kid, he had this dream about being a secret service agent. That's what Ronald Reagan was in the movie. Ronald Reagan was a Secret Service agent protecting the president. (laughs) And then he became the president. And little Jerry Parr used to like in his mind say, I'm going to be an agent. Well, he joined the Secret Service and he applied for the presidential protection team and he got the position. Imagine that. And then, as you may remember, one day Ronald Reagan walked out of a building, Jerry Parr was behind him, the video's on YouTube, and a guy came with a gun to kill Ronald Reagan. And guess who saved Ronald Reagan's life? Jerry Parr. He got, he got a medal for it. He grabbed him, swung him round and threw him in the beast, you know, the, the car. And Ronald Reagan spent his life saying, I regret that bad decision. That bad decision, President Reagan, saved your life. Do you get the point? <laughs> Don't be quick to judge bad situations because they can, if they're in the hands of God, they can turn around. What bad situations? Well, betrayal. Getting betrayed in relationships, getting betrayed in your family, getting be- betrayal. Betrayal's all over scripture. Jesus was betrayed on the left and right. So was David. And so will you be, probably. I hope not. Joseph was betrayed. Look at Joseph. His own brothers tried to kill him. But in Genesis 50, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to bring about the saving of many lives. How easy and how quick it could be for Joseph in that pit to judge God. God's not with me. The favor of God's not with me. There'll be no opportunity in my future. Yet that was the very road. The betrayal. I hope you're listening, guys. (laughs) Who has betrayed you? maybe that's an opportunity maybe through that very thing god will open a door for you rejection can be god's door when that man rejects you girl or that woman rejects you guy be very careful of judging a bad situation be slow you stay with god and one day you will look back and say hallelujah (laughs) Hallelujah, I stayed with you. Hallelujah, I waited. Hallelujah, now I see. Now I know. But to get to that place, you've got to stay in faith. I'm not saying it's easy. Sickness. David said, I was blessed. It was good for me to be afflicted. I know some of you are afflicted at home right now. or been with some people in the last few weeks, just in their homes who can't be with us today. David said it was good for me when I was afflicted so that I would learn your decrees. Morning, Tania. <laughs> I used to work in a bakery, a kosher bakery, Jewish bakery. And in the bakery, they don't make bread like you make it in your house, you know. They, when they shift the dough, they use shovels like you use in your garden. It's industrial. And they used to, to pack, I used to watch them make the bread. Bible's full of bread isn't it? Full of examples about bread, She's the bread of life. So I started making my own bread and you get your ingredients, you get your yeast, your flour, whatever it is, mix it all together, mix it all together in a bowl, a bit messy making bread and then you put it in a cupboard dark place yeah ends up in a dark place otherwise it won't rise. So you have to put the dough into a dark place and you have to cover it up like it just like it's nothing. Like all its value is gone. And in that dark place, what happens is all the chemistry starts to work. Kicks in. And suddenly it begins to rise again. Hallelujah. New life. New beginning. And do you know what the baker does? He takes it out. He removes the tea towel. And guess what he does next? Bang! <laughs> he knocks it back. It's called knocking back. He knocks the bread back. And the more times you knock it back, the better the bread tastes. That's the deeper the flavor. So that's what I'm saying tonight. How many times have you been knocked back? You know, Amaris as well, she was sick. And now I'm fine again. Bang, oh, I passed her, I got COVID now. And I rise again. Oh, sorry, and the lady's in the hospital. And it's like being consistently knocked back. Where is the hand of God in this? Perhaps producing quality. Perhaps drawing out the flavor in you. Through the constant setback. Be very slow to judge a bad situation. Very slow. Slow down, take your time. Let him do his work. Don't judge it. You're judging God when you do that actually. That's why I think, because scripture says, all things gonna work together for good. So if I'm judging that, I'm judging his word. And in times of loss, in times of death, when you lose children, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, loved ones in your life, statistically, somewhere between four and 6% of people who are born again in this world got saved at a funeral. Got saved when somebody died. I guarantee you there's a word here this morning. Because <laughs> this has been around in my head. Yeah. Death. Remember, not bad a few weeks ago. Death's not such a bad thing after all then. When you're born again, of course. Because your death can bring about the salvation of others. Jesus said, it's meet for thee that I should leave. It's better for you that I go. And in many situations in life, that is exactly the situation. Sometimes we do need to decrease, that others may increase. And even in the enormous trauma of death, good things can come out of that place. Good things can come from it. Thank God for that. What's a bad situation? Well, a failure. Like Samson. Samson failed... Big style. Someone who was a leader for 21 years and a fantastic leader at that, monumental leader. But Samson, as we know, failed miserably. Listen to this. Samson's wickedness and sin got him tethered and blinded and put under the amphitheatre. And he must have thought, here I am, a child of God, and I've been so bad, I've gone so wrong. That now I find myself buried beneath the Philistines, my very enemy. And yet God was able to raise him up in that situation. Bring down the Colosseum on the heads of those Philistines. And he died slaying more in his death than he did in his life. And I've got to, there's a word here, I'm serious. There's a word here for people people will die and when they're in the Lord we say praise the Lord but remember around them statistically people will come to the Lord they'll come to the Lord do you know when Stephen in the book of Acts they stoned Stephen to death what a brutal murder and do you know who said this is great who <laughs> yeah Saul that's right, kill him. That's what we should be doing. And yet the death of Stephen, just a few, little while later, Jesus knocks Paul off his horse. And Paul looks back and says, What have I done? I saw him. I saw him as we killed him. He was transfigured. Before. I saw it. God was with that man and I killed him. The death of Stephen Just compel Paul to give his own life in service and in ministry. Do you get it? So don't shy away from death. Job believed that God was sovereign. He had a grip on that. A strong grip on that. Rejection, sickness, loss, failure. And in times of abandonment. (laughs) Hello? (laughs) Abandonment. When you just feel lost. If you were walking down the Nile many thousands of years ago if you happened to be there on a certain day you would have seen a little basket and when all the mums and dads are you know going to mcdonald's or whatever you would have seen a little abandoned baby floating down the river someone who's just totally forgotten about abandoned what a cruel world we live in But the Lord was steering that little basket to raise up the Prince of Egypt who would set the people free. Feel abandoned. Feel abandoned. Overlooked like the bread. Stay connected to the vine. Stay connected to the vine. Hold on. Hold on and let God do his work. And my last point Who wants to do a diet called Eat More Lose Weight? (laughs) Sounds great, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, you're all happy now. (laughs) Yeah, count me in. (laughs) Eat More Lose Weight. We've got a friend, Michael, some of you know him, a fitness instructor. He's a really professional guy, very professional guy. He takes his work incredibly seriously, as I've found out on a few occasions. Michael was telling me one day, uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of conflict in the fitness community. A lot of conflict, a lot of disagreement. One day he was telling me, some people are fat because they don't eat enough. <laughs> Hallelujah, this is the best news I've heard all day. <laughs> some people are fat because they don't eat enough. And I said, please, you know, what? What are you talking about? And he said, well, the metabolism has to kick in in the morning. You don't do that and your body doesn't work. The meta- you, 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 you bound have heard this, you know. But I, I saw a guy mocking this philosophy and it was a very funny Thing is, ah, oh, I'm fat because I don't eat enough burgers. That's my problem. Bring on the burgers. Um, now, funny, but not funny when you apply it to our thought today. The Apostle Paul talks about the same principle, but in relation to sin. Why not say, like some people slanderously say, let us do evil that good may result? Ah. You see, once you hear and believe, that everything in your life, no matter what, good and bad, will work together for good. You know? Where sin abounds, grace abounds, it will bring on the grace. Right? And some people, Paul, it's the same today. Paul was addressing this all this time ago. Don't be like that. Amen. Amen. I pastored a church in Kiev. We meet them every Tuesday. In Ukraine, famous country at the moment, right? There was a pastor in Kiev. He had a church of 30,000. Big pastor, very famous. You can see all the testimonies on YouTube about what happened there. He had affairs with 29 women in his church. You know that? Yeah. And when they asked him if he had affairs with 29 women, he said, I can't remember. There was too many. That was his answer. That That was the answer. Right? And that's published in Christianity today. Uh, I believe it happened as an example for all of us to listen and watch. And do you know what he said when they, they challenged him? The National Church in Ukraine challenged him and they deposed him and put him out of office? Do you know what he said? This was his 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 defense. He said, Ah, oh, you don't understand. All of this had to happen so that I would become an apostle. That was his defense. I had to go through these things so that I would mature. Why not say, like some slanderously say, let us do evil that good may result. Can I just make an announcement? The Apostle Paul did not say, I had to sleep with 10 women to become an apostle. Show me the scripture, hello? But this this twisted kind of perspective is common. And I would warn you, don't do it. Do you know how we grow in the Lord? With sanctification. We're not perfect, are we? We're not perfect. But we don't use grace as an excuse for sin. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. And That's eat more, lose weight. Sin more, get sanctified. No, 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 no. That is not the answer there. My conclusion today, Val read this for us a few years ago, but I love it. It's a Chinese fable, there's a curator called Alan Watts who pushes these things out. Let me read it to you because it's the heart of what I believe God wants to say to us today. Once upon a time there was a Chinese farmer whose horse ran away. That evening all of his neighbours came around to commiserate with him. They said, we're very sorry to hear your horse has run away. This is most unfortunate. The farmer said, maybe. The next day, the horse came back, bringing seven wild horses with it. And in the evening, everybody came back. Careful of the crowd now, won't you? Everybody came back and said, oh, isn't that lucky? Now you've got seven horses. And the farmer said, maybe. The following day, his son tried to break in one of the horses and while riding it, he was thrown off the horse and he broke his leg. And then the neighbors came again and said, oh, that's too bad. The farmer responded, Maybe. The next day, the conscription officers came around to conscript people in the village into the army, and they rejected his son because he had a broken leg. And again, all the neighbors came around and said, isn't that great? And the farmer said, maybe. And I love his conclusion. The whole process of nature is an integrated process of immense complexity. And at this moment in time, you can't tell what is good and what is bad. You need to wait till the end. Judge nothing until the end. That's it. I want to put into you this morning an attitude that Paul has. All things in my life will work together for good in Jesus' name. Amen. And don't judge god your enemies who may betray you that joseph had to let his brothers go you tried to destroy me but i can see the hand of god so i forgive you i let it go god will bring blessing on you and me even to the saving of many lives don't judge god don't judge god for things you can don't understand and maybe never will understand don't judge God. Accept life, the good and the bad. Invite the worship team. Father, I know that pain that is in so many lives here and out there and I pray this morning you would grace us with the ability to embrace that word that all things will work together for good for us. I just give each of you a moment to consider your own situation and to surrender it. We sang, I surrender wrote, Surrender it to God, the good and the bad, and go from this place with a newfound trust in his sovereignty and in his goodness.